Lo, the winter's past, the rain is over and gone, the flowers appear on the earth, the time of the singing of birds is come, and the voice of the turtle is heard in our land. And here in Detroit, where so many of the tools of victory were turned out, it's in the air. All Detroit wants another kind of victory. They're out to see the Detroit Tigers, their favorite ball team. Let's go inside. You're listening to Tigers SRD with your hosts and former Little League All-Stars, Chris Brown and Roger Castillo. Welcome to Tigers SRD on the Tiger Miami Report Network and the Overtime Media Network. I'm Rogelio Castillo alongside Ms. Chris Brown. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Art Media, Stitcher, and Google Play. You can follow the on Twitter at Tigers SRD. And of course, you can find the Miami Report at Tigers ML Report and our Facebook page, Tigers Miami League Report, which today celebrates a year of our webpage being on. So. Happy Hazal. Officially one year. It was a, when Kean did the post. I went back and checked. It was July 22nd. And coming up, we do have a minor league recap. Sources. Uh, I sat through and watched Trey Cruz and Cody Clemens struggle against Kyle. Or excuse me. I saw Cody Clemens struggle against Kyle Dowdy in Texas in Sugarland. So there's a little more to that. But some Tiger minor leaguers going on down in Indy ball. But tonight our guest... Our Jacob Bose, writer over at Motor State Bengals and friend of the show, Mark Gurash, joins us as we are doing a little bit of a the regular season is just two days away. So we're at, back to regular season format podcasts. What does that mean? Well, essentially, the good, the bad, and ugly are back. Our inside numbers segment. And we'll be taking a look at the minor leagues when the players do play in any league. But right now, that's kind of irrelevant. But gentlemen, Chris, I'll start with you. How are you doing? Doing well, thanks. I'm Holding a rambunctious puppy right now, and uh, you just got done watching the, I guess the final uh, game of the summer camp, right? Final yep exhibition inter squad thing. So, and it was, uh, I think, a preview of what we expect to come. No uh, offense. What? Well, I mean, it just you know I, I don't know if it's just because everybody just wants to get playing real games, but it sure seems like uh, the Tigers are not going to walk a lot again which is, uh, you know, was a big issue for them last year. They have a little bit more power this year, so they might hit a couple home runs, but I still don't see them stringing together big innings. But I guess we'll see. Yeah. And, Jake, how you doing? I'm doing well. I'm uh, I'm here to bring some personality. I hear you guys just read stats. So I just wanted to come <laughs> on and hopefully maybe give a couple laughs and uh, have a good time. So happy to be here. <laughs> Mark, how you doing? Sorry, didn't want to open a new wound there. No, you could. You um, I'm hanging in there. I'm uh, trying to recover from the idea that uh, Anthony Castro has made his final appearance as a 40-man roster candidate for the De- for the Detroit Tigers. It's been depressed about it for the last 15 minutes, but it's I think over. Yeah, it's a mental thing. And and by the way, personality plus with Mark here. I mean, we got we got all the personality in the world with Mark here. So I think that we'll be between you and uh, between you and Mark, Jake. I think we'll be 
they'll, they'll be fine. I think we'll we'll suit up just fine. But no, and and it's the thing is, Anthony with Anthony Castro is that that slider, all that all stuff the movie we saw in Erie has not appeared at all in camp. But we'll get to that a little later when we have our thirty man conversation. But let's talk about MLB news and Mookie Betts got paid. He got a contract extension today. And it's it's pretty pretty significant. He's gonna get a lot of money. It sounds like the uh, just understatement of the year, but it's it's quite a. When you look at the the financial numbers, twelve year contract extension that runs to twenty thirty two, and it's supposed I think it's around three hundred eighty million. Is that what I saw in there? Or was it three hundred forty million? I can't remember the exact number, but um, it looks like it's oh, sorry three hundred sixty five on top of the twenty seventies already getting pro rate, which. Comes out to be prorated at ten million, and this is a this is the biggest deal for the Dodgers. I mean, they have a lot of they have a couple contracts there. I think that they have the fourth highest payroll in all the majors. But this is huge. This is a guy who twenty seven years old, so he's going to be a Dodger for the rest of his life, and he's already won over the clubhouse. He's already done those things. But I'll, you know, Mark, I'll start with you in terms of this deal. What is with in terms of value? As you said before the podcast, it's the cost of business. Hey, look, it, does it ever make fiscal? Does it ever make fiscal sense to uh, sign a guy for twelve years and pay him in age 36, 37, 38, and thirty nine years? Of course, it doesn't. It, it never does. But it's the cost of doing business. So if you want to sign Mookie Betts. You're going to have to, and you, you know, to a any corporation, the longer they can spread out the payments, uh, the more fiscal sense it makes to them. So, you know, does it make fiscal sense? No. At the same time, from a baseball standpoint, just understand if he's going to be a six-war player, which is a pretty fair evaluation of Mookie Betts on average for the next five years. You know, they're probably $10 million a year in intrinsic baseball value. So, you know, he is gonna, you know, it, it will, will the Dodgers get baseball value from this? Absolutely. For the next six or seven years, they're going to get Miguel Cabrera in the back three years of the contract. But, you know, it's, if you want to keep Mookie Betts, this is what it was going to cost. And I promise you, if the Dodgers didn't pay him, somebody else is going to pay him. So uh, it's it's the way how sports works. I think the time of these contracts is going to come to an end here in another two years because I got a feeling when they do the CBA in 2021, one of the concessions is going to be they're going to limit the length of free agent, you know, any contracts in Major League Baseball as part of getting more money, which is probably a win win-win and just remember when they did that in the NBA it's how guys started making 45 million dollars a year so um, there's an upside to that for the players even though they won't have 12-year contracts to get any longer anyway that's that's my spin on it what about you Chris yeah you know I mean I think this is what when everybody talks about sustainability you know a long-term uh competitiveness this is kind of you know the dodgers are the number one franchise to look at when we talk about that because they've built this player development machine 
where they can just they're, they're bringing in like a new star or two every year. It seems like, you know, if it's Walker Bueller, Will Smith comes up and hits a bunch of home runs. They got Gavin Lux. They got Dustin May. They got uh, Josiah Gray coming, you know, and they had Jeter Downs and they were able to trade him for, for Mookie Betts. And so when you when you have that sort of young cost controlled uh, plus players coming up, you know, not, not to mention Corey Seager and Cody Bellinger and all that stuff. You, you can make these giant splashes. You can make a trade for Mookie Betts or you can sign them and it's not going to hurt you long term. I mean, it, it eventually it's going to look kind of ugly like Mark was saying. But I mean, this just makes them an absolute juggernaut. Um, and and uh, I don't know. I mean, the, when you get a chance to get one of the two best players in baseball, I think you have to do it. You know, I, I mean, Mike Trout is on his own planet. I was looking since Mookie Betts' first uh, full season, which was 2015. Mike Trout is tops in F war at 44.2. Uh, then Mookie Betts is number two at 35.4. And then the next closest is Chris Bryant, 27.8. So, I mean, these are two generational talents here in Trout and, uh, and Betts. They're both in LA now, which is kind of fun. And a, a fun fact, Mookie Betts is a month uh, younger than Spencer Turnbull. So there's that. <laughs> wah, wah. Sort of. I mean, you, you got to wah, wah to it. But uh, Jake, what about you? It's in terms of just for the impact of for LA, but just overall baseball. Yeah, I think it's a, a decent value play. Um, when you, when you divide up the war and the money and how it's going to shake out for them, I, I think they'll do just fine. Um, you know, they might have to get creative toward the end or something like that, but you know, I, I think they paid market value for them. Now it's interesting that they did choose to pay market value being that he's a year away from free agency. Um, but I think Mookie had all the leverage here. Um, also kind of interesting given the circumstances of the season and everything going on that they were willing to, uh, go all in basically and put all the chips in front of the table, say, Hey, you know, we're all in on this and, you know, hopefully everything goes as planned as far as the season and everything like that. Um, but yeah, no, I, I love the move for him. I think it's great. And the Dodgers have somewhat of a, a little bit of a, in terms of a reputation for, I mean, despite the payroll numbers, they've been kind of viewed as cheap a little bit. And I remember it was an interview that last year, or yeah, but it was last year that owner Stan Kesson was talking about. He doesn't understand the whole being, he took offense to it. Why being called cheap. And maybe perhaps if you look at somebody like along the lines of Yasiel Sierra, who was signed for six years to 30 million, who never panned out, who's I still think in their system, but he was on a 40 man, but now he's off of it. But the Dodgers don't really make a lot of mistakes like that. So, and even if you look at the contracts that they have right now, outside of bets, you have Clayton Kershaw, who is, a, you know, 2022 is deal. Justin Turner, four years, 64 million. Jansen, five years at 80 million. You got AJ Pollock, which is looking, I don't know, it's kind of eh, right now at four years, but everybody else is three years or under um, outside of the David Price deal, which they're they're going to be responsible for, I believe, 48 million. So they have what Chris was mentioning earlier they have all these this talent that's controlled for a while. You have Bellinger, who's not going to be free agent until 2024. This is the time to strike, whether this is short season or not, or even next year, whatever the case may be. Walker Bueller's not a free agent until 2025. Will Smith, they, 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 it goes on. So this is the time to strike. It's whatever, if, if there's an abbreviation for the season or not, that, if the Dodgers win a World Series, regardless, it's going to still help their value. What's not going to help their value is the 
team like the Blue Jays who can't find a home. They were denied playing in Pittsburgh today. So Blue Jays still, I don't know if they're just going to play other games on the road. I don't know what the situation is, but Chris, this is such a strange situation. I understand why about crossing the border. It makes a lot of sense. Health-wise, it makes a lot of sense, and I have no dispute with that whatsoever. But it's just such a strange story. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if there's enough being made out of the fact that there's a team with two days left before the season starts that has nowhere to play. Like, that seems like a pretty big stumbling block, potentially. Like, are we going to end up with the Blue Jays just forfeiting a bunch of games? I mean, it looked like the Pittsburgh thing was going to work out okay, but I guess uh, what was it, Pennsylvania struck it down and said no thanks. State of Pennsylvania. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, which is kind of weird, uh, given that they already have two other baseball teams playing there. But um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I assume they're going to find something, but it's it's as we were talking. You know, I, I originally thought okay, just playing Buffalo, but apparently Buffalo, the lighting's not good enough, and, and the lack rooms. Yeah, the locker rooms are too small for social distancing. Uh, so then when we talked, all right, well, maybe they'll just play their spring training home uh, in Dunedin. But then Keenan pointed out, like, that's fun, 95-degree weather, uh, and it always rains. So sounds good. So, yeah, it's just a, it's a, a kind of a terrible situation. I feel bad for the, the Blue Jays players, although Bo Bichette had a really nice play today, so whatever, they get to watch him. It, I, I, th- I think that Dunedin is still probably – more of a possibility than people are referring to. And at the same, look, Dunedin is, you know, they're also, they also could work something out with Tampa Bay to use the dome, you know, at times too, and kind of set up a base there. It's, yeah, it's a, it's a vexing. The question I have to ask is, you know, major league baseball, you would think that they would have done a lot more homework concerning how Canada was, you know, the, the issues with, with the country of Canada, all right, to basically get caught in the last week prior to starting the season with an issue like this. It's, it's a, it's not a good look. (laughs) So it's unlike, you know, Rob Manfred to be this asleep at the wheel on essentially what is a legal issue. It's they're, they're usually pretty prepared for stuff like this. So, yeah, I, I think maybe he's too worried about the whole playoff arrangement, which was something else. So that happened up today with news wise, but Jake, I mean, this is, this is kind of another black eye to, to the league, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it doesn't look great. Um, I made the joke on Twitter that maybe the Blue Jays were just Googling best MLB parks and PNC came up. So they were like, <laughs> OK, we'll, we'll play there kind of thing. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's not a great look. And, you know, Buster only was talking about the possibility of them even traveling to the teams that are supposed to be playing on their schedule and acting as the quote unquote home team. And that just sounds like a lawsuit waiting to happen with the amount of traveling that that would involve. But I don't know. Yeah, it, it just it, to me, it just also seems a little in the sense of I understand. I understand Pennsylvania's concern. But then I also at the same time for something along the lines of maybe Charlotte or Nashville, I would think Nashville would be screaming to, hey, this is an opportunity for us to host a team show how and get with Dave Dabrowski down there now. 
But at the same time, there hasn't really been anything I, like baseball has not been creative about this. And I well, then again, why am I surprised? Sometimes baseball seems to lack the most simple just thinking outside. If anything outside the box, baseball is like, I don't know about that. And no, no type of solution has been even close to even come to a resolve. Which is frustrating. I mean, for for Blue Jay fans too, it's just I don't know. It just seems like a common sense. I would think it's common when it comes to this virus. I get, I understand common sense. You can throw out the window all day long, but at the same time, I think there's, I would think there'd be some sort of backup solution. Maybe the Tigers had a backup solution. Every team has some sort of backup solution to what's going on, but in this case, Toronto did not. All right, so Chris wanted to bring up this article, and I thought it'd be a good idea. This is a good idea, Chris, to bring up. Major League Baseball, Minor League Baseball, something come up a little creative. So, Chris, discuss this a little bit because it, it is there's a lot of intricacies with this. But on a local level, for anybody who's a Tigers fan, this could benefit quite a bit. Yeah, I mean, I guess the, the crux of the idea is that uh, I mean, there are kind of two separate ideas here. One of them is basically flipping uh, low A ball and high A ball. Uh, so the West Michigan Whitecaps, instead of being the Tigers low A affiliate, would, would possibly be their high A affiliate which is kind of cool. You, you'd see slightly more advanced players there. I mean, West Michigan, you know, usually gets some decent players anyway, but sometimes like, like, uh, had this been a normal year, I doubt that Torkelson would have gone to West Michigan. He probably would have gone straight to high a, uh, Lakeland. And maybe, I don't know, maybe if that was still the home base, it would still seem that way. But, uh, yeah, and it makes more sense for, because they've got the Gulf coast league teams down there. And I don't think those are going away the complex league teams and, and, you know, the Dominican kids, they can bring them up to a lower level uh, in, in a much warmer climate than uh, having to send them up to, you know, West Michigan where it's 35 degrees in April. Um, so it, yeah, it seemed like an idea that just made a lot of sense uh, geographically. And, and, uh, and then the other idea was taking uh, the existing, you know, basically the, the idea, a lot of the teams that were going to get eliminated were the short season teams, the ones in the New York Penn League and the Northwest League. Was it the Pioneer League, I think? Yeah, Northwestern League. Um, yeah, they talk about them not wanting possibly to switch full season because of the issue. They just want to take the part time. Yeah, and and, uh, and it made some sense there. I mean, I, I guess it would be kind of a there'd be some logistical problems involved, but basically playing the first half of the season in Lakeland or in Florida in the Florida State League and in Arizona. And then the second half, moving up north, basically still a short season league, but it's the same team just playing in a different location where it's not so damn hot and, and rainy. And I think both of the ideas make a lot of sense. Uh, it'd be interesting to see if they, they implement them. Yeah. I mean, even the, the one thing, as I read this over, too, is that the, it would give up, breathe new life in the New York Penn Leagues, which something that there was discussed that a lot of those teams in those leagues would be going away. But from what from what I'm understanding from the article, Chris, doesn't sound like it's it doesn't sound like to you that they would still be sticking around quite a bit then. Yeah, I mean that's that's I think the idea, and I think that would be, I mean it would be basically business as usual for those teams. They just wouldn't uh, instead of having it actually be better for them. They'd be getting higher level of baseball instead of getting the short season league, which is you know high round. And by high round, I guess I mean low round, low round college players and like 19 year old Latin kids who can't go to the Gulf Coast League yet. They'd be getting, you know, the high A talent and in the second half of the high A talent. So I think it would work well for them. I guess the only possible issue there would be if, uh, you know, the, the Florida State or the was it Arizona League teams would get upset about losing half the season. But it sounds like 
and Chip has told us this before, I mean, the, the attendance in Lakeland for the uh, Flying Tigers games is abysmal. There's like 300 people there tops. So I don't think it's going to be a big deal. Yeah. I, mean, I, I, go ahead. I, I would say that there, if, if you understand part of the leverage that uh, Major League Baseball tried to put on these Northeastern and uh, Northwestern smaller town baseball franchises, a lot had to do with facilities and quality of stadium and locker room, et cetera. I would still expect that this particular idea will have certain facility requirements in it if they decide to do it. It may not be immediate or it may be, you know, you might have, you know, 12 months to bring your stadium up to a certain standard before they agree to it. But I think the idea is almost ingenious and pretty forward thinking two things that baseball is not noted for in the last 20 years, but I think it's a, it's a very good idea to uh, move, you know, play into these areas. It, it accomplishes both maintaining the small town feel and two, I think is, you know, Chip has said, and, and Chris just alluded to it. If you've ever been in Florida in July, uh, the idea, I mean, playing baseball in Florida in July is just a memorable, a me- memorable day. And it, it, it takes so much out of you. The level of, you just can't understand how hot it is. It's re- it's, oppressive so um jake did you ever did you ever play in florida in the summer or no did not have the ability to play in florida yeah no. I, we, uh, I, we did a vacation there one day and it was like super hot but <laughs> we uh yeah. we end up uh my family my dad's side of the family's down in florida and we would go every other well yeah every other year every other year for a while and then we started going every year and my cousins lived over in hialeah which is just right outside miami it's just a suburb mm-hmm and we Cassianos is from yeah uh, yeah and th- here here i am like me and my brother automatically knew that going down there we were going to be looking like chumps against anybody who played like sandlot baseball with and we went with a couple of cousins and their friends and it was ridiculous because i'm putting my catcher gear on and normally 80 degree humidity michigan is one thing it's another one it's down there and you got the gear on Holy crap, that sucked. I, I remember, and I was a lot skinnier then. I just remember, like, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I'm like, you know, I'll just play the outfield. Screw it. And we we were playing for a little while. We played the entire weekend. My brother and I were worn out. By, by Sunday night, we were sunburnt, and we didn't want to do anything with baseball until we got back up to Michigan. So, yeah, it's really, and, and it's really nasty. And the other part of this, too, Chris, I don't know if you saw this or you guys saw this at all, that minor league baseball has been lobbying for something in in Congress to kind of help them with the financial damage of this canceled 2020 season. And they're they're looking at an act, which is a bipartisan called the Restart Act, which would allow small businesses to suffer dramatic revenue losses because of the coronavirus pandemic by giving them loans to cover six months of payroll benefits and other fixed expenses. So, and by the way, I had to read that off the website just so just everybody knows that's what you have to do. But uh, that, that, that's it, But what's not, what's good about the bill is that a percentage of the loans would be forgiven. 
So based on the percentage of revenue decline compared to 2020 to previous years. So this that would help out a lot of these owners and it would give them a lifeline for them to stick around. So maybe with this happens, if it's, it goes through, you would maybe see that minor league structure happen where it's not that original onslaught that was talked about last year. So that being said, let's move Let's move on to the Tigers 30-man roster. The roster has to be put in by tomorrow by noon. Jake did a 30-man prediction on Motor City Bengals. You can find that on our website. And I, I asked a couple of guys questions on the sheet. Uh, strengths, weaknesses of the team. Player that will surprise everybody and predictions for team wins. But uh, before we get to that, you know, I, I know, Mark, you've been a big fan of Jacoby Jones all, uh, all camp. He's been hitting really well, even with, this, with the issues he had with his hamstring. But was any other player – I didn't get your take on this. What other players in camp has really impressed you that you were like, wow, I didn't – they're not soft serve? Well, first of all, let's save the soft serve until <laughs> we get to it. But, uh, you know, soft serve is dessert. It's not the dinner. So, uh, who have I been impressed by? You know, look, I, I, I've made fun of Harold Castro many, many times on, you know, your, on your pod, on my pod, just sitting here by myself. But, you know, let's be honest. I don't think anybody's hit the ball more consistently hard than Harold Castro in, in summer camp. So I would say Harold Castro had a good camp. Uh, I was very impressed for two of the appearances I saw from Nolan Blackwood as a specialty reliever. Okay. Um, I, I liked what I saw from that. Obviously it's hard not to like Casey Mize. I would say Nick Ramirez will make the team as a non-roster player. I'm trying to figure out any other non-roster player who will make the team. Keep in mind, you're going to have to move people off the 40 if you make the team, it's not so simple. So, and there's only going to be one guy going on long-term, the long-term DL, which is Zimmerman. So they're at 39 players. Now they can add one without taking somebody off. I would say Anthony Castro, I'll be flabbergasted if they don't take him off the 40, but maybe they won't, you know, but uh, there's isn't a rush to do it, but if they want to start adding people, they're going to have to. So, That'd be my, you know, aside from that, I, you know, have I seen anybody that's looked great? I thought Goodrum looked really steady. I thought Candelario looked good. I, I liked his camp so far. I thought Kron looked great. Kron's actually taken a few walks besides hammering the baseball. So he's looked good. I mean, Kristen Stewart's had some good swings. And as far as pitchers, it's very difficult to, assess pitching when you're watching guys for an inning at a time against each other or starting pitchers one time through an order. I thought Fulmer looked amazing for two innings tonight. I could not believe how good his slider was and his fastball command after the starting with hitter three was actually surprisingly good. I still can't figure out as I tweeted why you would have taken him out after 30 pitches but hey, I, there's a lot of things I do that I can't explain to myself in normal baseball thinking. So 
I, we'll see what happens. I don't think in the big scheme of life it's going to change much of anything. Well, they, they just announced or tweeted out the, the rotation for Cincinnati, which is Boyd, Nova, Turnbull. Um, and I, I think they only had former pitch two innings. I don't think they're going to ever have them uh, throw more than three or four in any outing this year. I think they're going full uh, tandem start with him this year. I, I don't have an issue with that. Do you? I don't know. I don't have a problem with it. I just, I think that's probably why they weren't uh, stretching them out anymore. Jake, do you have an issue with that or not really? No, not really. Especially when you consider that Norris is probably on the mend as well. So he'd be a perfect partner for something like that. If they decide to, uh, to keep him into the rotation. Yeah. I don't have an issue with it either. If, if, if you're going to have him out there throwing darts like that, Hey, that, that's fine by me. And I think one of the things about this rotation that I know Mark talked about Spencer Turnbull's profile at some point as a reliever, but I, I still think that you, you get what you have in 60 games. I think Spencer Turnbull turns into more of a, a better asset too. And I think he's going to go out there with a chip on his shoulder. But even as I look at the 40 man roster, Tyler Alexander, <laughs> Tonight, as uh, Mark was saying, Little Caesars piece, depending on what Little Caesars you have, because I've had some really good deep dish from Little Caesars. It's pretty tasty. But looking at this 40-man makeup, Dave, Dave McKay, who we saw last year in Toledo, I I thought I expect a little better camp, but he's gotten hit hard. I mean, just everything's been rocked. So uh, Gregory Soto, and you're right, Mark, this is hard to gauge based off. And just seeing in Cincinnati yesterday was – was a refreshing sight because you're able to see him against real competition. But the guy, I think, if I'm going to start this list real quick, the guy who's going to, I think, who's going to surprise some people is Grayson Grinder. And Jules from Forbes.com has done a really good job of highlighting his sweet changes and everything. Grinder looks like a completely different person. Is he going to go out there and be a 300 hitter and hit 20 home runs? No, I'm not saying that at all. I think there's going to be a slight improvement enough to where you're going to challenge Austin Romine a little bit. And, and possibly he, he got the start tonight. Guard, Ron Gardner feels comfortable with Griner, and I think his improvement on his swing could help him a little bit. And if he just does a little bit of hits just a little bit better than what we expected from whatever it was last year, I'll take that. I think the strengths are the starting rotation. The weakness is the outfield. I think the, the Tigers, it, in terms of Victor Reyes, in terms of even like uh, along the lines of Christian Stewart, you have to get a better year from Christian Stewart. Otherwise, you just have Jacoby Jones out there. Who knows? The merit right now is going back to Toledo. But their, their outfield situation is just, it turned, just beat up a little bit. They just don't have enough depth. Are there enough horses to really kind of, I think, make a difference? And I think there's a bigger weakness than the bullpen is. And the the prediction for team wins, I'm going to say 25. I'm going to stick with that. I think the Tigers will be a little better than, you know, in terms of their power numbers or anything, but I think their bullpen will blow some games and their offense is going to be inconsistent. So um, what about you, Jake, before we get to Mark and Chris? Yeah, for sure. You just want me to go through the whole the whole gamut? Yeah, absolutely. Go for it. Yeah. So, uh, so strengths of the team, um, for me, it's the, it's the depth with the pitching. I think there are not only several starter options outside of, you know, who we expect to see in the rotation, but there are, you know, Casey Mize kind of lurking in Toledo as well. 
Um, and I think the bullpen has showed enough promise um, to to make things interesting as well. So um, depth in the pitching, you know, both in the in the rotation and in the bullpen, I would say is a strength um, this season, especially during a pandemic where you might have to uh, kind of work some guys in and out. But um, so that was for me. Um, I went along with the outfield as well for weaknesses. Um, you know, outfield offense, especially just because left field is such a question mark right now. And, um, you know, nobody's really talking about Cameron Maven much. I think, you know, he's a veteran and he probably will figure it out, but he hasn't had the best camp in terms of, of offense. Um, so yeah, you have to, you have to definitely get some better offensive production out of a position like the outfield, especially in the corners, um, player to surprise. Um, you know, it's funny when I was thinking of this, I'm like, man, we'll have some people surprised, but it's not because they're going to like tear the cover off the ball or anything. I think just the expectations are that low. Um, <laughs> like take Miguel Cabrera, for example. I mean, the, the expectations for Miguel Cabrera are basically nothing. And in a DH role, in a shortened season, in a, in a year in which he's basically had two off seasons to prepare for, um, to, to, to be off that knee. I, I think it's, feasible to see Miguel Cabrera swing the bat pretty, pretty impressively. Um, so Miguel Cabrera is probably one of, one of mine that, uh, that I think will surprise some people. Um, and then for the team win prediction, I went with 26 myself. So, um, might be a little optimistic there, but I think anything can happen in, uh, in a 60 game schedule. So, all right, Chris, what about you? Yeah, I think, you know, it's all relative. I, I agree. The strength is probably going to be the starting pitching compared to, uh, you know, <laughs> the rest of the team. You could you could argue that the infield is sort of a strength. It's a more of a strength than last year. Um, and, and I think their infield defense is going to be better this year, much better. But I guess that remains to be seen. Um, the weakness, I, I, I'm going to go with a bullpen. I don't, you know, they've got a lot of options, but I don't think a ton of them are very good. I, I was impressed with Gregory Soto this year. I mean, I think you know, he's basically cut down the windup uh, whatsoever, and he's just thrown from the stretch, and uh, he seemed to be throwing more strikes, and not a lot of players seem to be able to make contact with his fastball. It's pretty electric. And the breaking ball is just kind of a get-me-over pitch, but it's it's enough for him to, I think, be okay. But again, I, I don't think like that's not like closer stuff. And I I, I don't know what to make of Joe Jimenez as closer. Uh, he got, what, like a 10, 12... 12 game out a uh, uh, preview of that last year and was okay, but there's just a lot of inconsistencies there. Buck farmer's velocity seemed to be down a bit this, this uh, summer. I don't know. And maybe that's just from pigeon to his own teammates. But yeah, I mean, I, I just think, I think there'll be probably be a lot of games where the bullpen comes in and does it, <laughs> doesn't uh, keep, keep the lead or keep the game within reach. And I think for my win total, I had I went through and I had 23 games. Yep, that's seemed to make sense to me. So, all right, what about you, Mark? I think they'll be seven and 23 in their first 30 games, and I think they'll be 15 and 15 in their last 30 games. I think that uh, yes, really that horrible. Yes, that horrible. Uh, I think it. You know, once they're just getting their brains beat in in the first 30 games, then it will force them to a, they'll, they'll know that uh, they're going to draft in the top five, which will make Alavila dance around his office in glee. And then they'll <laughs> actually start 
trying to build something for next year and start weaving in players that'll actually be playing for them next year. So I would expect them to start, you know, bringing things like, you know, by then, obviously Norris, it'll take two to three weeks for Norris to be healthy. I think you'll see Scooble after three weeks come up. And I've said this a few times in jest on Twitter, but, you know, Josh Hader, Scooble, but I think that's the perfect way for him to get his feet wet this year is to come in and throw anywhere from three to nine outs in a game. And uh, I expect that they'll weave him into their bullpen. I think they have a huge, I think their infield actually is by far and away the biggest strength of their team. They actually have likely four major league players on their infield, all of which should play at a major league average or better performance level. I, 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 if Jacoby Jones can stay healthy, I think he'll surprise some people and be good. I think Stewart has swung the bat very well. We'll see how he does on a day-to-day basis against real pitching. I think right field is basically a giant hole for them. And they always default to playing Victor Reyes when that ends up happening. And I'm sure he'll hit his usual 275, 90 ISO, 4% walk rate. And they'll have to deal with that. I think the bullpen for the first 30 games will be an absolute disaster. Um, If you watch Joe Jimenez throw, I mean, it, it's, it's puzzling to me because he'll throw two really good changeups. He'll abandon it afterward. He still has not figured out that if he throws his fastball down the middle, they will hit it and they do hit it. And it's, this is now year four. So you would think by now, if he was going to start generating some fastball command, that he would have, and I just don't know if he ever will. And it's concerning because he has not looked very good this spring. I think Chris brought up the velocity issue with Farmer. One thing I like about Buck Farmer is he's learned between his slider and his changeup, which is really his bread and butter. He can get people out even if he's throwing 92 because those two pitches are very good. Soto's been a great surprise. They, of course, because Garden Hire and Rick Anderson – I've never really understood the idea of optimizing players. They will try to throw him a second inning a few times, and that never goes well. So as long as you keep Soto to one inning, very good. And, you know, I think, you know, Nick Ramirez is a good situational left-hander. Should be pretty decent. Everything else you have after that is a coin flip, a bunch of 4A guys, and I cannot wait until they start bringing people up like Scooble, uh, probably let's see what Blackwood can do in situational circumstances and try to generate some depth. Burroughs had looked very good in relief until last night. He was a pinata last night and his velocity did not look the same as it had looked the previous two times. If he can get back to what he looked like in the inner squad games, he should be useful for an inning or two, but you know, look guys, this is a bad baseball team. It It, it is. There's, There's not a lot of major league players. They have four infielders that are major leaguers. They have a catcher who is, you know, a second or a third tier major leaguer, but he is a major leaguer. And I would expect that Jake Rogers will do a lot of catching in September um, if they're trying to get better. And I would assume Casey Mize, if he's not 
in there after six days, which I've been pretty vocal in saying what that I think that will happen, is if he's not in there in six days, he'll be in there in 12 days. So, I mean, that's going to be right now, that's going to be your number four, which in reality, probably your number two starter. So that, that'll help. And then they'll figure out a tandem between, you know, Norris and Fulmer and et cetera, you know, afterwards. But it's, you know, until you start trying to put together a semblance of a baseball team by trying to create a power bullpen, you, you, look, what's the difference if a guy throws six good innings if you can't hold the lead? You know, it gets demoralizing after a while. I mean, this team won 47 games last year, boys. To think all of a sudden they're going to start being better. I think it's a pipe dream. Do they have a better infield? Yeah, they got a whole lot better infield. But, you know, really, from the pitching staff standpoint, besides, you know, it, unless they start throwing Mize and Fulmer a lot more, are they really that better? I mean, you know, they got a lot of hope. But, you know, hope hope doesn't win baseball games. No. So. <laughs> no, and Mark, you, if you take away the PR spin, if you take out the – the feel good articles about Kyle Fong Collars and the weighted balls and all that, and even in just the, the, if you take the PR spin out of it, and there's, there's sometimes, I think, when you look at how things are presented to you, it is just, you know, optimism, what have you. And it's good to have that optimism right now, considering what the, this year that's been through. But I still look at somebody like Kyle Funkhauser as somebody who's transitioning into a reliever role. We don't know what the hell he's we he can do anti Castro one of my favorite prospects on in the system has everything just up there just getting rocked John John Schreiber same thing like it, they are what they are they're 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 on their last legs yeah. prospects and I mean we look we love John we love Anthony it's just guys look at some point in time it's the Peter principle when you play baseball everybody knows it who's ever played or followed the sport it's you, you get to a point in time, it's make or break, got to do it. These guys have had shots. Look, Schreiber was good at the, in September last year. He's looked horrible so far this year. He's, he's just gotten blasted. What I, what I forgot to mention, and I've mentioned a few times recently is I would say by far the most impressive reliever the Tigers have had the last three times out, Brian Garcia, holy smoke. And when, you know, if you don't understand what you're watching when you're watching prospects throw against major league hitters, the one thing you got to be paying attention to is when the catcher puts his glove down, is the pitch end up where the catcher put the glove? I mean, Jake, you pitched, you understand how important that is. If guys are not hitting the glove, they're probably not going to be very good. Brian Garcia last night, it he hit the glove on every single pitch, every one, and he's getting people out. And so I, I would say that if Brian Garcia doesn't break camp with the team, I understand that because all you're going to have to do is wait six days in order to generate an extra year of service time for a player. Okay. So I would say, well, Brian Garcia actually would need more than that because how, Chris, how long did, did Garcia spend in the major leagues last year? Like two or three weeks? It was it's a September call-up. That, that sounds about right, yeah, because yeah. we, we saw him and we talked to him when we were in Toledo, which was mid-August. Yeah, it was early. It was August. It was the second week of August. That's correct. 
So, yeah, I mean, I think if you wanted to service time game him, you would probably need to wait two weeks, three weeks. Maybe. Yeah, well, you know what? I don't think they're going to do that. I would yeah, say I, they'll I don't probably so just they'll probably just say F it. So he's probably on the bus. I'll be surprised if he isn't on there. And to be really honest with you, he's going to probably throw the seventh inning. He and Soto are going to get work immediately right right off the bat. So, but yeah, you know, look, guys, I think they'll play much better the last 30 games. So the last week of August through the end of the year, because they're going to start weaving in better players. They're going to get rid of the Deadwood 4A guys that they have been messing around with for years because they're just not good enough to win baseball games at the major league level. And what will happen in the last 30 days is they're going to put much better players. Sometimes they're going to play better. Sometimes they're going to play worse. Other teams are also not going to be as motivated or, you know, there's going to be issues. And, and so a lot of teams are going to be, you know, basically mailing it in the last 30 games too. So I expect them to play much closer to 500 in that timeline, but the first 30 days is going to be pretty ugly. I hate, I hate to tell you that you want my prediction. That's what it was. And that's, that's fair. And of course we can't forget about five tool, Outfielder Jorge Bonifacio, who could make the club. (laughs) David Chad said that the other day on the broadcast and I had to pause and, and Dave Chad knows more about baseball than I do. I, I understand that, but, Good grief, dude. I mean, come on. Anyway. Um, <laughs> I mean, they're playing him in center field, so I don't know. Uh, I mean, I guess he, he technically can run. So. Did, you see, did you see my tweet about that? Yeah, I did. No. <laughs> Jorge, Jorge Bonifacio has played 20 innings in center field, including the minor leagues, since 2011. Yeah, I don't think he's a good corner outfielder, but uh, – yeah. I guess, you know, whatever. Give, give him a shot. He's got a good chain game, Chris. That's all I know. I, I mean, I think he actually, in spring training and in the summer camp, looked okay at the plate. You know, he had a nice, uh, went with a pitch today and, and uh, drove in the game-tying run with just by poking it through the right side. So I, I think he's shown some things at the plate. But again, that's, uh, despite the outfield not being terribly good, he's not a legitimate center fielder. So it's going to be hard to find at bats for him. And he's not on the 40 man either. So, yeah, listen, listen, before, before the steroid suspension, he, he actually had played passably for the Royals. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, and you know, Frank Swindell is also not going to make a call up either. So, Anyway, um, let's go to the inside. Jake gets that joke right there. Um, let's go to the inside the numbers a little bit. And this is our first inside the numbers since October of last year. So it's been a long time. And I'll kick it off with my inside the number. And that is 8.4, which is a strikeouts per nine for Brady Singer, who made the Royals rotation today and becomes the first pitcher for the 2018 draft to start in the majors. So I'm against the Cubs. I mean, he set down the heart of the order, did a really good job showing fastball command in his slider and was really working really well. So his changeup's been getting better. The Royals are going to roll the dice. And considering what's been going on, they have two play, two pitchers are out with COVID-19 issues. So it, it makes sense. And Singer, who hasn't appeared above double A, will get the nod. He had a really good half. He finished a strong second half last year for the Royals. So... That's my number. I, I think that this is this is a smart move for Kansas City. I, I know that people worry about service time and blah, blah, blah. But 
same time in a season where this is a crazy ass season, why not? And I think this was a I, I like that. And I think with the Royals, they got a guy out there who's gonna go out there and he's gonna make his first start on Saturday against Cleveland. So that's my inside number. Chris, what is your inside number? Uh, yeah, that's pretty cool. I didn't, uh, I didn't realize that. Of course, people remember Brady Singer was kind of the favorite to go first overall heading into that 2018 draft uh, before Casey Mize blew everyone away. But uh, my inside the number, uh, 3,732 and two. Um, and 33 steel. What's that? No, I said th- and 33 steel. Sorry. And 33 steel. Uh, the 3,732, that is the total distance in feet of the home runs hit in Tuesday's exhibition game between the Reds and the Tigers. Uh <laughs> 1,665 for the Tigers and 2,067 for the Reds. Um, and the two is the number of Tigers pitchers in that game who will actually be on the 30-man roster. So, and they didn't give up any of those home runs, so I don't think you'll have to worry. And, and I think it's Soto and Garcia. Like Mark was mentioned, Garcia has looked pretty good and Soto has looked good. I don't think Iguazal's making it. I don't think – I think McKay is a DFA candidate. Uh, I don't think we'll see Funkhauser yet, and I don't think we'll see Burroughs. All right. So – Jake, do you have a insider number you want to give us? I I have a number, and then I'm going to tell you why it doesn't matter. <laughs> so, uh, all right, the number was ten, and you know we talked a couple of days ago. You had sent over the, uh, the Evan Woodbury uh, kind of stat sheet that he was working on, and his uh, tech service is pretty neat. If you if you haven't signed up, then um, you're probably out of luck because summer camp's over. But um, you know, he had a, a nice service and it showed that uh, Christian Stewart had uh, had led the team with 10 RBI. And, uh, you know, both of us were really surprised by that fact. But in reality, in a small sample size, it's probably more circumstantial than it is speaking to his ability to hit or anything like that. So um, thought it was interesting, nevertheless. But, um, yeah, just more circumstantial, I think, than anything else. Yeah, that's <laughs> the. I like how you like it. Doesn't it? Doesn't matter. And Mark, do you have a number for us? I do. My number's ninety-two. It's the minimum number of losses. The last six straight. Excuse me. The last six straight seasons of a team managed by Ron Gardenhire, and uh, I'm happy for him because they can't lose more than ninety-two games this year. So, uh, he's going to break his six consecutive years of managing a team that lost in excess of 92 games. All right. Well, that's, that's a good one to have. And again, this is just, and then, you know, in the grand scheme of things, if he looks at his overall baseball reference record, he doesn't have to be that much ashamed for it. So, uh, but that would, that goes right into our good bet. And then we have questions. We have four questions we're going to get to, but first thing, it's my favorite segment. I'm glad we're bringing this back. I've been wanting to for a while, but there was no reason for it. But now there's plenty to. It's the good, the bad, and the ugly. And a uh, shout-out to um, the original composer, Eno Marcon, who passed away just a couple weeks ago. So he died in his 90s, but the man who composed this song for the for the movie itself Pat, and did a great body of work. But anywho, just so I could play the theme and... Chris, I'll let you lead off the good and bad ugly this week. All right. Well, uh, yeah, it's nice to be back. Um, my good, uh, this shouldn't shock anybody, but it's the Dodgers. Uh, we already talked about uh, Mookie Betts, you know, locking him up for what, what was it, 12 years, 360 million? Yep. Uh, 
and I don't think it's a crippling deal for them. We talked before. They've still got Bueller and Bellinger and May and Lux and Seager. They got Max Muncy, I think, is still cost-controlled. Um, and over at Fangraphs, you know, they just did their uh, positional power rankings for the, uh, the shortened season. And the Dodgers rank in the top 10 in nine of the 11 positions in baseball. And in the other two, they're 11th. So they are in the, in most of them, they're, you know, ninth, fifth, first. They just are, are incredibly good across the board. It's hard for me to envision them not winning a couple World Series in the next few seasons. You know, they've been about this good for the last few years anyway, but, uh, and they haven't managed to pull it off. You never know. But man, it, it's just such a good team and they've got, so much talent that I, I imagine they're going to win. You know, who knows what happens this year, but in the next couple of years, for sure. Um, my bad, and this is where I'm going to disagree with Marcus Bo Burrows. I, I I haven't liked any of his outings so far in spring training, no. and particularly the uh, the last one was ugly. Um, yeah, I just I don't I don't really see it from him now. I, I think the secondary pitches, you know, that's always been a big deal for him, but it, they they haven't gotten any better. I think the best you'll see is kind of a maybe an average slider every now and then it's it kind of looks like a cutter almost, but the, uh, the curveball and the changeup both look fringe average at best in the fastball. Uh, it's, at times it has some nice life to it, but I think his command has been brutal. And, and if you look, I was looking at the, uh, the, the outing from Tuesday and I, and the, uh, it's kind of tough to tell because I think uh, for these exhibition games, I think they were just getting somebody from like the university of Cincinnati to run the camera for some extra credit uh, <laughs> because there, yeah, you know, there'd be times where they'd just be focused in on somebody's face and you can't see the plate. But from my count, uh, Burroughs hit the glove with fastballs three out of nine times. And you can go back and look, you know, I, I, I did, uh, I cut up all his pitches and, and tweeted it out. And, um, the, the home run that he gave up to Jesse Winker, which was just a, a moonshot, uh, he missed he missed his target by 18 inches. You know, uh, Griner was in the outside edge, and he hit it. He threw it right right in the inside corner. And one of the three pitches he did hit the glove on was the Eugenio Suarez home run. Uh, which, you know, it's no shame to give up a homer to a guy who hit 49 bombs last year, but the fastball wasn't fooling him. So I just – I'm worried that he's not much of a prospect at all anymore. Um but oh, I, we, I don't think there's any argument about that. Yeah, I mean, I think, but as I, we always say, and I always try to remind people, bad is where I put guys who can come back. You know, I, I don't want to shut the, the coffin on him yet, but I, I just didn't think he looked very good this uh, this summer camp at all. Um, and my ugly, and Roger, you touched on this a little bit, is the the Royals and the COVID nineteen. Uh, you know, just today they had Hunter Dozier test positive, so I don't know. He's out for what three weeks. Yep. Uh, and they still have their catcher, Cam Gallagher, uh, out. First baseman, Ryan O'Hearn, is out. Their catching prospect, Nick Dini, is out. And relief pitcher, Daniel Tillo, is out. And they've already had Sal Perez, Brad Keller, and Jacob Junis. And third baseman, Matt Reynolds, test positive. So, um, I mean, you know, the COVID-19 is going to be ugly for everybody. And I, I just don't know exactly what's going on over there in Kansas City. And it kind of, uh, it just makes it, it's not that hard to envision a, a single outbreak kind of screwing up everything. <laughs> For, for everybody. Uh, so I don't know. I'm just kind of crossing my fingers, but it's, it's not all that pretty there in Kansas city. All right. That's, that's a pretty good, good, bad, ugly. Mark, what about you? What's your good, bad, and ugly? Uh, listen, my, uh, my good, uh, I would have to say that almost everybody's back in camp for the tigers, except for Daz Cameron. So that's good. Uh, my bad is, uh, 
Victor Reyes did not have a hit in summer camp. And ugly, I would say there's just so many things to be ugly, but uh, I would say, you know, ugly. Unfortunately, our buddy, uh, our buddies Castro and uh, Johnny Schreiber just can't seem to get anybody out and can't think of two guys we were rooting for to do well more than those two guys. And uh, not that we ever thought they were great prospects. We just liked them. And uh, it's unfortunate that they, given a really expanded roster opportunity on top of it, just could not get enough people out to get used in the major leagues for a while. So that, that, that would be my good, bad, and the ugly. All right, Jake, what about you? I'm going to go last on this. All right. So my good is uh, Dustin May of the LA Dodgers. Uh, been watching some of his uh, clips from Pitching Ninja on Twitter. That Turbo Sinker is nasty. Um, I'm excited to watch Dustin May in uh, in 2020. So he's my good. And and with those locks, I mean, how can you be in the ugly category? You know, that those flowing red curly locks he's a, he's a lot of fun uh, i'm excited to watch dustin may um my bad is david mckay um i've been big on on mckay i've been public about my my love for mckay uh, i still think that his breaking ball can be an outpitch for him but the command has just not been there this this uh, this far in summer camp so small sample size but hasn't looked good so far and then you know my ugly is the mlb protocol with the whole COVID testing, you know, we had Daniel Norris who seems like he was sidelined longer than he probably should have been. Um, it seems like he was eager to get back and, and kind of reading the tea leaves a little bit. It seemed like maybe he got a negative test, but then couldn't get the second consecutive negative test, which is one of the weird kind of MLB protocols with the, with the testing is, you know, sometimes it can be hard to get two consecutive negative tests. Um, so he was gone probably a little bit longer than he had to be. And it's probably going to affect the tiger season a little bit. So it's kind of a bummer. Yeah, that's, that's a good one too, because it, the fact that MLB couldn't really consistently across the board and there's issues with the Astros and some other teams were could get on the same page about it. My good and bad ugly this week, the good tied. There's two of it. First and foremost, the social justice stuff that MLB is allowing to happen. Really cool. Really progressive. And allowing players to demonstrate or protest or however they see fit and, and kind of stepping up. So uh, MLB, you usually sometimes tends to be less very conservative, kind of, you know, sometimes they do things ass backwards. Kudos to them. And then I looked up the 60 game span, the best 60 game span in terms of just across the board, war wise and what have you. And the good is George Brett. From May 30th, 1980 to August 29th, 1980. This is, you can find this on Fangraphs. I thought this was really fascinating. The man put up a weighted runs uh, WRC plus of 247. 247. He also hit in that four, he hit 469, had an on base percentage over 1,000, in a war of 6.5. In that span, he only had 14 home runs, and I only say only because the next two after this are kind of where it's insane in terms of a, like in terms of a stretch wise. But that kind of production is 60 games. Barry Bonds, 2001, July 24th. Actually, wow! If you line it up, Barry Bonds from July almost when the season starts, which will start Friday, July 24th, 
to October 7th. 60 games, 31 home runs, 391 batting average, a weighted runs cross, uh, weighted runs, ah, WCR, WCR, fuck, I'll edit it out later. <laughs> a weighted runs WRC plus of 277 and a 6.2 war. And he's slugging percentage was over 1,000. It's ridiculous. So my bad is the Mets injuries. The in- Oh, man, the Mets. I'll take another hit. Marcus Stroman is out with a calf tear. Robert uh, Gussman was out with tricer- uh, tri- uh, he has, uh, some tightness in his um, triceps. Also, they've lost Jed Lowry with a knee injury. It's the Mets can't buy it. They just cannot buy any luck with this. And so Strowman will not recover. It will need, will not need surgery, but you, you you have Steven Mass who's just returning back, but you know, you know what to expect for him, but injuries, injuries, injuries. And then my ugly, the MLB, the MLB blackout rules are still stupid and horrible. This season, you have a chance to, um, you have a season to capture the fans for what you've lost, and this is what happens. This is ridiculous. You can't you can't get that going. Um, that that's just ridiculous. So um, that's my good and bad ugly for this week. So I uh, I missed that Stroman news. So basically, the Mets traded away Simeon Woods Richardson for nothing. They got what six starts out of him last year. Correct. Yeah. Outstanding. I mean, obviously they didn't know that was, you know, we're going to have half a season or a quarter of a season, but also Mark, I was doing some math just uh, for your buddy garden hire. So, uh, you know, he hasn't had a season with fewer than 92 losses in six, six years. That's a winning percentage of 432. to do better than that. To have a higher winning percentage, they would have to win 26 games this year. Yeah. I'm not optimistic. Yeah. Nor am I, but I also wanted to, share with Jake if if you like the flow Dustin May has going you ought to see Brandon Day. Brandon Day has got the same flow. He does. It's <laughs> <laughs> just not right, right? My, yeah. Oh no. But it's it's <laughs> it's glorious. And it's that is my podcast and partner. He is it is glorious. It's, okay. He's got the pepper he's got a nice uh Pepper, salt and pepper thing going right now. Last time I saw him, so he does. He, and speaking does. of friends, he was uh, he he was one of the four people who asked us a question for the show. Yes, so let's get to the questions, Chris. So let's go ahead and uh, read off the questions for this evening. I guess yeah, we'll start with Brandon then, since I, I mentioned him and since he's our buddy. Um, he said, "Which non-Mickey starting position player will still have a job on April first, twenty twenty-one?" So basically, which member of the starting lineup uh, will be in the starting lineup next year? Who is it, Cabrera? All right, Jake, I'll let you go first on that one. Well, you guys know I'm card-holding member of the CJ Crone 2021 <laughs> club. So let's go Let's go, CJ Crone in, uh, in 2021. Bring him back. All right. Mark? I'd say Nico Goodrum. Uh, you know, they people think Willie Castro can play shortstop, and I'm sure he can in Toledo. So uh, I would say Nico Goodrum is probably the most likely person to be starting uh, April 1st, 2021 at shortstop for the Tigers. Chris, I'll let uh, you, I, I have a couple names, but I, I haven't really made up my mind, but go ahead. Okay. 
I think uh, it seems to me that Jacoby Jones is probably the most likely. Um, I know they've got Daz Cameron out there waiting, but you know, who knows what's going to happen with him. And I think past him, the most likely like would probably be Stewart and Candelario. And it's sort of like, Jake, I, I think there's a chance they bring back uh, Scope next year. But we'll see. They bring back. Yeah, I mean, is CJ Crone. You know, I, I I like that idea. I mean, I, I, I'm with Chris. I think Candelario, Jacoby Jones. And yeah, those I think I, I think I'm going to go. I'm going to stand firm with Candelario. I think Candelario and Jacoby Jones are going to be my two positional players that will be on the roster. Nico Goodrum, I think. We'll be on the roster. Don't get me wrong, but I think he'll be somewhere else. I think he might be. In, I think he might be in the outfield, and I don't think not because Willie Castro is going to force the issue or anything like that. But I think that defense in terms of defensively, if he, if, I don't know. I, I have to see a full. I don't know. I, I still haven't seen a full season at shortstop to gauge an opinion whether he's going to be there or not long term. But I think he's his bat's valuable and he can play the outfield. He's he's a good utility guy. So. But I don't. I don't yeah. think he's going to end up at shortstop. So that's that's just my opinion. Uh, let's go to the second yeah. question. Oh, go ahead. I was just say yeah. I, I can picture him, you know, looking fine on the metrics, but making a few too many errors for the Tigers and then pulling him off shortstop. But because it's the Tigers. But um, yeah. So the first question we had uh, we had uh, Eric Constantini. He said, "I'd love to hear opening day lineup versus last game of the season lineup prediction, i.e., trade uh, prospects. You know, who's going to come up? Who do we think?" We'll, we'll, we'll be there on the last game of the season rather than the first. This sounds like a Mark Gorosh question. Wow. Well, somebody asked me today if I thought that Scope and, uh, and Kron could get traded, and I would say there's a great chance that that happens if both play well. Don't you guys believe that that's true or not? Oh, I believe that. I mean, I think the Tigers would trade anything they can't that's not bolted down. I'm, I, you know, I'm not going to – I'm not going to make some sort of ludicrous, well, let's just trade Matt Boyd for, you know, uh, a, a prospect that, you know, some high level prospect, nothing like that. It, you know, Al Avila is going to get what he can get because he hasn't proven to be shrewding on the trading side of things, but whatever they can't nail down, they're going to, they're going to move for sure. I, I, I really, do I see a lot of changes? They don't have, look, here, here's what I'd say to you. If you ask me, what I hope will happen, I would hope that, you know, the last few weeks of the season that, you know, Matt Manning gets a few innings, Scuba gets a few innings, Fado gets a few innings, you know, Blackwood got weaved in there a little bit. So, I'll, you know, I hope that Jake Rogers gets the, per, you know, at least 30 to 35 at bats in September, all those things. I'm not a real Willie Castro guy. I just don't ever think he'll really hit. I think he'll tease you by hitting the ball out of the park once every 48 bats and hitting the ball in the gap a little bit. But doesn't you know guys that don't walk and don't have a lot of power? They they don't excite me too much. I think Candelario will you know I'm, I, I who else, they're not going to play Dawa Lugo at third base. I mean I think Dawa Lugo will be lucky to. Be on the plane going to going to the next city after Cincinnati between you and I, but you know it. I I could see them moving both Scope and and Cron in the right deal. Um, in you know that's. But as far as who they're going to bring up, I, I'm praying Paredes 
gets enough time in Toledo and they try him at second base because I'd like to see him try to play second base. I think he's a prototypical 2020 major league second baseman. Don't need a lot of range. Needs to be able to go to his left, go to his right a little bit, walk and hit the ball hard somewhere. I mean, that's who plays second base in the major leagues now. So, you know, hopefully, you know, that that's what I see, but other, do I see a ton of changes? Yeah, probably unlikely. I, here's the thing. Like I know Chip and I have argued about Paredes and Chris has witnessed this that I, I think he's going to end up at second. Chip doesn't think he has to make up for it. And here's what I, I'll add to the question. I think what you're going to see is see Jake Rogers towards the end, force the issue and think he'll get another, if he hits really well in inner squad games in Toledo, I think you could see him get a couple starts here. I think even like the likes of with the way that the outfield has been, you look at the fact that Jacoby Jones has not been able to stay healthy. What if Cameron Mavis gets off to a slow start? Victor Reyes soft serve does not do what he's supposed to do. Christian Stewart. Do you give a guy like Derek Hill who's all defense, but no bat. I could see Derek Hill getting a couple starts at the end of the summer, at the end of the September, same thing with Paredes. And especially if they do make the trade, if they do trade scope, you're bound to think and crone. I, I, even crummy. If we're going to train crone, I think Frank Dell is going to make it a call up, unfortunately, but that's, that's going to happen. Those are the names. That I think they're going to, at the end of the, at the end of the day, at the end of September, some of those names you're, you might not even see like, so Nell won't be on this roster or he won't even be in the team next year. He'll be somewhere else. Some of those guys are like, okay, this is roster fodder. So the prospects are ready for next year. Yeah. Or Brandon Dixon or something like that. will play first, which, you know, um, Jake, do you have any, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to say, Chris, Chris, what do you, what do you think how they end up the year? Yeah. I mean, I don't have a whole lot extra to add. I, the two names I singled out were Rogers at catcher and Isaac uh, Paredes at third base. Actually, I thought, uh, you know, if if Candelario doesn't do what he's supposed to, or if they trade Crone and put Candelario back at first, I think they're going to want to get a look at Paredes. Jake, do you have anybody? No, not really. Um, Jake Rogers was the one that popped out to me that might be different. That might see the end of the year um, fairly regularly. Um, Daz Cameron is somebody to watch as well, kind of in the same uh, in the same vein as Derek Hill. But if he's healthy, he gets back, um, starts hitting the ball. Um, he's a possibility if if maybe either gets traded or struggles a little bit in the uh, in the major leagues. I could see him getting a call maybe. All right, Chris, let's go on to the next question. Uh, we got a question from our buddy uh, Nopes or Nopes or Nope, our honkball friend from the Netherlands. Hey Nopes, uh, uh, he said opening day, yay, uh, and we like that sort of enthusiasm. Uh, he said, I have a good feeling about Kristen Stewart having a breakout season. Who do you expect to break out? Uh, Jones, hopefully also riding the optimism train here. So I don't know if we already touched on the breakout players or we, we kind of did surprise players, right? But, yeah. Um, I, I, I can pick one if you want. Don't go for it, Chris. Uh, I, I think uh, I think Gregory Soto has a chance to be, you know, a breakout player I, I for as much as a a reliever can be a breakout. I think there's a chance we might see him get some eighth innings this year. Uh, if he can throw strikes, if he throws strikes and that's been a, an issue for him, but I like the, the, the clean up delivery and I, you know, like the stuff. So I think he's got a chance. All right. Uh, Jake, what about you? 
for me, probably Brian Garcia as a, as a breakout guy. Now I thought I was high on Brian Garcia. And then I heard some people talking about him as like the future closer. And I was like, Oh, maybe I'm not so high on him, <laughs> but I think it could be like a solid middle relief arm for the club. Um, and in a bullpen that needs consistency, I think that would be welcomed. All right, Mark, what about you? I, I would go with Jake. I, I would say that both Soto and Garcia are two guys that I am desperately hoping just can throw seven, you know, the seventh and the eighth with some level of consistency. I mean, uh, anytime you can throw fastballs and fastball counts and people swing through them, like Greg Soto throws, you, you gotta like that. Like I said, don't overuse him. He's a three out guy. Brian Garcia, if he throws like he's thrown the last three times out, he's going to get people out. You know, it's a lot different when you're facing major league hitters at the end of games, they're going to take a lot more pitches and make you throw strikes. So, you know, what you're seeing in, uh, inter squad games does not necessarily resemble anything like what you're going to see in a real game. But uh, I'm interested to see if those guys can take the next step and actually be semi-reliable bullpen pieces. That, that would be nice. I'd also like to see if Jacoby Jones can stay healthy for 225 at-bats and see what happens. Because I think uh, on my pod, we talked a lot about it with Cody. And, you know, there's a lot of supporting peripheral numbers to the fact that Jacoby Jones is about to be you know, contributing solid, semi-interesting major league baseball player. I mean, he hits for power. He hits the ball hard. He walks way more than you think he does. When he makes contact, almost 50% of his hits go for extra bases. And Jacoby Jones just needs to play every day. We'll see what he does. So that's kind of my, what I'm seeing is a possibility. I'm going to go with Spencer Turnbull in in the sense that he's going to improve on his numbers last year enough to I think it's just to I think he might make himself more known as like hey this is I'm sticking around for a little bit and those struggles we saw a little bit last year I think you're gonna see more consistent more quality starts I think you're gonna see I mean they're only getting what 12 starts tops but I I, in those 12 starts I think you're gonna see a microcosm of what he could a, a better performance if that makes any sense. And I think that for him and along, and along the lines too, I would have to go with uh, at some point, if we end up seeing him at some point to Jake Rogers, I think Jake Rogers is going to make a better impression this year than he did last year. So if we ever get a chance to see him break out and I think you're going to, it's going to make them go with Griner and or possibly, you know, even with Eric Haas going on too, but I, I think Jake Rogers established himself to make sure that they don't have to use the likes of Eric Haas or anything like that. I don't know, but there's so many, this roster is so like, just uh, like I four a guys and what have you. And so it's like, I'm trying to think of somebody reasonable and, and logical. And now that what you guys mentioned, you guys made some really good names in Soto, but I don't know. I, I think that from an outfield perspective too, Jac- Jacoby Jones has a chance to be a regular on a, and you know even Harold Castro I think goes to a two becomes a little bit more of a maybe possibly a two war player I mean right he had a negative war last year I mean he was rookie of the year last year which kind of you have to shrug your shoulders about because that wasn't anyway um 
among the uh, among the Tigers uh, media, whatever. yeah, media, media yeah. yeah, Chris and I did not vote for Harold Castro. By the way, our my vote was for Spencer Turnbull. I don't know what your vote was, Chris, but I I voted. Yeah, yeah, it was for Turnbull. Yeah, so we both voted for Turnbull. That was our vote. And I, I was talking to George, who they all conduct the whole thing, and they said, "Well, Castro had better numbers," and just you know, smile and nod and go. That, that's cool. So, but uh, let's go to the last question, Chris. Our uh, last question is from our buddy Dynasty Dave, Corporal Eddie. Corporal Eddie. Uh, Good man. He said, is there 2022 starting second baseman currently in the organization? And if so, who? That's a good, good question. Chris, I'll, I'll let you, I, you know, go ahead. Uh, I, I think the short answer is no. Uh, I, I think it's possible the opening day starter at second base is in the organization. It could be Harold Castro. It could be, they, may, they might, you know, put Cody Clemens out there. I'm uh, still a little bit skeptical about the bat. Uh, maybe they try Paredes there if, if Torkelson's up uh, and playing third base, so it's possible. And who, who the hell knows? Maybe they bring Scope back for multiple years. But I think, uh, yeah, I think it's it's probably unlikely that the the future second baseman is currently in the organization. It's a tough question. It, out of all the organizational depth, too, Cody Clemens, who right now is in that in the league, the Constellation Energy League, right now, that his father helped get that going for, in Sugarland. He's hitting 194 right now against in, against Atlantic League, which is what the equivalent of Triple A ball, Double A ball players. Some of the talent that's down there. Unless Clemens comes back with a furious, I mean, and a lot of the guys too that lost development time, the Tigers. You're still that that that's a year away. You could probably make the case for somebody that perhaps maybe a West Michigan or Lakeland, but there's nobody that really stands out to me. I'm drawing a blank. And unless they put Paredes over there, it's going to be a free agent plug-in until they find somebody they can draft. Organizational-wise, if you look at the organization of the Tigers, in the last 20 years, who did they develop at second base? Ryan Rayburn. And, okay, si- okay so Scott Sizemore, will, or excuse me, in terms of a, from an organization, Scott Sizemore, you have Willie Rimes, and it's just been a hodgepodge since even you go back for even you go back even further since the days of Lou Whitaker. I mean, Damian Easley was a free agent. Placio Polanco, free agent, or excuse me, they got him in a trade for Urbina. They have not been able to develop somebody at second base going back 30 plus years. So I don't think that that trend's going to change anytime soon. So I'll go with you that, Chris, and say no. Because they, it's honestly, I, I can't. Ryan Raber, yeah, Ryan Raber, I was thinking too for a little bit, but my God, man, they, they can't develop anybody at second base. Well, I mean, I mean, technically, you could you could say Infante, although he kind of got much better yeah, elsewhere. Yeah, that's true. Came back, it was still solid. Uh, and Santiago too, but again, that's that's not a, you know, those are the two guys I was thinking of. But yeah, not not uh, game changers. Yeah, it's pretty bad, pretty bad, and I, I don't think this organization has. It. I mean, in Jake and Mark, I don't know if you have any final thoughts about this before we move on and end the podcast, but I, I don't, I don't think so. Well, I've been pretty vocal about my feelings that uh, Isak Paredes should uh, be playing second base. I've been saying this since last year, so my my answer to that is I'd be full bore trying that right now, and until he proved to me he couldn't do it. So if he can play shortstop, he can play second base. So. Yeah, I agree with you. It wasn't, I, 
Yeah. It wasn't like he was playing shortstop and rookie ball, boys. He played shortstop and rookie ball, low A, high A, and double A. So, I mean, he's played plenty of shortstop. And by the way, Caleb Thielbar on the mound for the Minnesota Twins. And I think there's a lesson in that, which is if your son plays baseball, make sure he throws left-handed. <laughs> As Jake smiles on the camera about that. <laughs> Are we a soft-tossing lefty or a hard-tossing lefty, Jake? No, I was 100% crafty lefty. I, I pitched backwards. I think my fastball maybe hit low 70s, maybe on a good day. So no, I wasn't. Uh, I wasn't anything to write home about. I wasn't. I wasn't throwing gas or nothing like that. So, but I had fun. I picked a lot of people off at first. That was cool. Yeah, I had a we had a, I had a system going on with a guy who ended up playing in the NHL, Jason Bakashua, who caught for or who pitched our, on our All Star team and. I put out a certain signal and we, he would pick up people left and right. It was, it was great. But so then the podcast, I do want to plug a business Sterling pipe design. You can find them on Instagram. Jake recommended them on a mercy Bengals article. And I just bought a board, like a strikeout board. So it's like a cool strikeout game. And I just want to give them a, a plug because they're doing a really good job. They're finishing up my board this weekend. So if you are into cornhole or whatever backyard games right now, you're still in the middle of summer. Plenty of summer left. Take advantage of your grill. Case in point, I'm going to be slow cooking a pork shoulder tomorrow for pork empanadas. Check out our friends over at Sterling Pipe Design. They're over on Instagram, I believe. And whatever, check out what they're they're building, and they'll build something custom for you. So I just want to thank them for a quick turnaround on this board. It's going to be a Tigers-based strikeout board, and I'll be uh, posting some pictures on Twitter. So find us on Twitter. Myself at Rajcast81. Of course, Chris Brown, Chris Brown0914. Jake at MCB underscore Jake Buzz. Is that right? You got it. All right. And then, Mark, uh, give us what you're going to uh, plug away, please. Well, uh, don't call it a, a rebuild. It's a team build podcast. I'm sure I'll have something out next week. Discussing who the different we got. We got a few different ideas for guests. We'll have somebody real good. And, uh, you know, I'm just happy there's baseball season, baby. It's, uh, it, it sure beats what, you know, it sure beats just being stuck inside, uh, you know, waiting for something to happen. So I'm looking forward to it. I hope you guys are too. Yeah. Baseball's back. It's strange and it's going to happen. And, there's no speculation about it anymore. There's no weirdness to, I mean, there's still going to be weirdness. What, what am I kidding here? The Blazers can't even find a place to play. So there's still going to be a lot of stuff, but it's, it's nice to see that baseball's back. And I remember out there, I was, I was missing baseball so much. Jake and I were messaging early on Slack. That I was watching Constellation Energy League. And I was watching some of the highlights of uh, Trey Cruz, who's also down there, third round draft pick for the Tigers 2020 class. So, that's how desperate I was for baseball and even the likes of watching some of the White Sox play and a lot of that. So baseball's back. Hopefully you get a chance to watch on Friday. Tigers kicking off in Cincinnati before coming home for the Royals. So for myself, I'm Rahelio Castillo. We'll see you next week. Have a good week, everybody.